Good afternoon, everyone. My name's Maria M., and I'm a compulsive, compulsive overeater recovered today. And I'm going to be talking about the chapter um, called The Doctor's Opinion in the Big Book. And this chapter discusses our physical problem. And our physical problem is an allergy to certain foods. So we're going to go over this chapter for about 25 minutes. All right. The first word of the chapter is the word we. Big capital letter up there. So that means that we do not do this program alone. We, it's a we program. We do this program. Um, I would strongly encourage you to get a recovered sponsor, and we always work with our higher power. So we're going to hear a letter from a doctor who treated um, a great many alcoholics, and he's going to talk about an alcoholic of a certain type. What is the certain type that he's talking about? He's talking about the certain type of alcoholic who would come into the hospital where he worked. They would be separated from their alcohol, receive facts about themselves and treatment, and they would go home and they would start drinking again. Some, people, some alcoholics would come in, um, some drinkers, I should say, would come in. They would get separated from their alcohol and he would never see them again. But there was a certain type that kept coming back over and over again. So that's the type that he's discussing here. Um, in the second paragraph of his letter, he says, um, was an alcoholic of a type I had come to regard as hopeless. And that's because no matter what he did, they would keep coming back. So in the next paragraph, the last sentence says, this man and over 100 others appear to have recovered so that's why we use that past tense, because now the problem is in the past. Will I always have the disease? Yes. Am I suffering from the disease today? No. So that's why I can use the word recovered. The next sentence says, other methods have failed completely. So you think about all the other methods that you have tried to solve our food problem. Have they failed you completely? If they have, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. We have a solution for you. I know everything that I tried failed me completely. All right. So then we're going to turn the page. All right. Then the first full sentence after the letter, there's a, a sentence that says, In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe. There's a must there. We must believe this. We who have suffered food torture must believe that the body of the compulsive eater is quite as abnormal as our mind. So what's wrong with our body? We have a physical allergy to certain substances. And the physical allergy manifests itself as an abnormal reaction in a phenomenon of craving. So, in other words, my... I'm going to use my poor husband. I always use him. My husband is not a compulsive eater. He's not even a hard eater. He's a normal guy. He eats even the foods that he loves. He will eat a certain amount of that food, and he's had enough. He's full. He's done. Right? No problem. He can walk away. I'm a compulsive eater. I put certain substances in my body. I put candy into my body, chocolate candy, forget it. I'm done. I'm going to eat the whole bag, then I'm going to scrounge up money, go out in my flip-flops on a freezing cold day, in the rain, and go buy more. 
And I'm going to buy the economy pack because, of course, that is much more better value. That's the only reason why I'm buying it. (laughs) So I had an abnormal reaction to that piece of candy. I wanted more. It's kind of like somebody um, used the analogy, like, if we go to the bar, right, and I go, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, and I go with my girlfriend who's not an alcoholic, and we have four shots of tequila apiece. We are both going to get drunk, right? But my normal girlfriend is going to wake up the next day and not want to even look at tequila. Not going to want to look at any of it. I've had enough. Might not touch it again for another six months. Does it? You know, they're done. Me, on the other hand, I'm going to search, search, and search for the food that I hid the night before. I want more. So for me, the craving is never satisfied. It only intensifies once I have ingested my allergic food. For the normal eater, this doesn't occur in the normal eater. They, their craving is satisfied. Lucky them. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so this is good news because this means that I'm not a bad person. I have an allergy. Doesn't mean I'm weak-willed. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm lazy. It doesn't mean that I'm sloppy. It doesn't mean any of those things that people think compulsive eaters may be. I have none of those things. I have an allergy. I have a physical allergy to certain foods. I'm allergic to sulfur, right? So if I, go to the, if I get pneumonia and I go to the doctor and the doctor says, Maria, you need an antibiotic. I know you're allergic to sulfur. It just has a little bit of sulfur in it. Don't worry. You'll be fine. I would not take that and say, oh, hell no. <laughs> no. I wouldn't take it. So I don't ingest any of the foods that contain my allergic foods. I don't do fifth ingredient, seventh ingredient, you know, on my birthday, at the holidays. I don't ingest those foods because I don't know what kind of reaction that I am going to have. It's going to tell us over and over again that we need to put the food down because it's kind of like a heroin addict still using heroin and getting the message about how they're going to recover from heroin. You're really not going to be there. So it's going to tell us on page on my book, it's um, XXIV. In other books, it might be XXII. Um, the last sentence, it is imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, and he has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. Well, we got to put the food down, and that absolutely sucks. I totally get it. It's like losing your boyfriend, your lover, your best bud, everything, your companion, your secret pal, everything. It's horrible, but you got to put it down. And now, Grant, just remember, though, that that feeling that you have that first day or two that you're putting it down those first couple days is not going to be the same feeling that you're going to have three weeks out, four weeks out. You know, in in six weeks, you're going to feel a whole lot better. I mean, it's going to be miraculous the way that you're going to feel. So just know that that feeling that you have on that first day where it absolutely, totally sucks and you're losing your lover is not the way that it's going to feel you know, even a week, two weeks later. Um, but we totally get it. It totally stinks. So, all right, now the doctor's going to continue to write. Um, and then in it's one, two, three, four, five paragraphs down in the letter where after it says the doctor writes, 
Many years ago, one of the leading contributors of this book came under our care in this hospital, and while here, he acquired some ideas which he put into practical application at once. So, this man had actually been to the hospital, his hospital, three times. This was his third visit. The other two times, Dr. Silkworth gave him everything that he knew, everything he could do, but he had no paint, like he has paint, but no paintbrush. It was actually a friend of his that came to visit him that carried the message to him. He had the paintbrush. So Bill, this is Bill W. they're talking about here, he puts it into practical application at once. So Bill W. does not go home from the hospital and say, let me think about it for a couple days. Bill W. puts it into practical application at once. So when we're putting the food down, we need to put the ideas that are contained in this book into practical application at once. Because, number one, it doesn't feel good. Like, so you don't want to prolong that. You want to put the ideas into action so that you can recover. All right, last sentence of the page. Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor. So how do we get rid of the physical craving for our allergic foods? I hate to tell you this, but you got to put them down. And it stinks. But they're telling us again, we've got to put it down. The heroin addict is not going to feel, hear the message of recovery from that addiction if they're still using. All right, next paragraph. This, is, this paragraph describes the allergy. And in my book, it's XXVI. And then in your book, it may be XXIV. First full paragraph. We believe, we believe this. And so suggested a few years ago that the action of alcohol, the action of our allergic foods on, on these chronic compulsive eaters is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never, never occurs in the average tempered drinker. That's the tequila analogy. The allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. So if we are allergic to certain foods... And for each one of us, those foods may be different, but if you're really honest with yourself, you'd say, well, what food would you steal? What food would you go out in the upcoming snowstorm and make sure that you hide in the house for when that storm hit? What food, if they put you at an all-you-can-eat buffet, are you going to go to first? What do you know the most about in the supermarket? What aisles do you know? Those are probably your allergic foods. I'm going to say probably. Those are your allergic foods. And if you look for some common key ingredients in those foods, you're going to find your allergen. So we can never safely use that allergen in any form at all. Once form, having formed the habit and found I cannot break it, once I've got the allergy, I can't break it. Once having lost my self-confidence... My reliance upon things human, a.k.a. all the diets, all the therapy, all the books, all the gyms, all the diet clubs, all the things human. Not that those things are bad, but they're not helping me, or else I wouldn't be here. Um, the problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. My life has become unmanageable. So, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. It doesn't work. You know, know what really works to get me to step one? The food. 
the misery, the desperation. That's going to get me to step one. So when you're ready, this, this is our physical problem. Um, the last paragraph of the page. This describes the cycle of addiction. Now, when I, I heard this paragraph over and over and over again in the six years that I was in relapse and in the 18 years of sobriety that I had from my allergic foods, but I never really heard it until I put all my allergic foods down and got to a big book meeting and got a recovered sponsor. And here I am, seven or eight days out from the food, miserable, you know, calling my food in all the time. I had stayed overnight um, visiting my daughter in um, Pennsylvania, and I'm driving home. I'm on the Schuylkill. The traffic is horrible. It's like stop and start, stop and start, slow and stop. And I decided that I would put a CD in from a speaker at a, um, who gave a workshop on these 12 steps as directed in this book. And I thought, well, my sponsor will be really happy to hear that I listened to that. That was, you know, the goody two-shoes in me was putting it on just so I could say, hey, I was stuck in traffic, and would you believe I listened to this? So, anyway, that speaker, who was a really gifted speaker and is able to, like, inflect on certain words, <laughs> read this paragraph. And for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, I've been doing this for six years. Make it stop. I can't do this anymore because I'm going to die. All right, so why do we eat? Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by the food. We like the effect. <sighs> Things are not so bad. Work wasn't so stressful. My kids' problems have kind of drifted aside. My husband is not getting on my nerves. You know, all the world's worries and everything I have to do kind of are relaxed for about five to six seconds. Okay, I take that first bite, that's what I get. It's, but then it goes away. So I admit that the sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot after a time differentiate the true from the false. It won't hurt me this time, I'm just going to have one. Lie. I'm going to buy the big bag and I'm going to divide it up into individual servings and save myself five bucks. Lie. <laughs> You know, I could stop. I'm going to stop on Monday. Lie. Okay. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. You know, I really didn't get it that there were other, like, normal people out there who didn't behave like this. I am restless, irritable, and discontented unless I can eat. So that's my default state. Restless, um, anxious, irritable, easy, annoyed. Easily annoyed and discontent, never satisfied. Great way to live, huh? So, <laughs> all right. So I see that all that goes away after I take a few bites. Bites I see other people taking with impunity. My husband, my stepkids, they can have one or two. Doesn't bother them. Their pants fit them Monday morning. You know? <laughs> They're fine. They don't have to hide it in their rooms or, you know, hide it in the car or bang their dashboard because their husband's home when they come home with a bag of food. That, only I could do that. <laughs> so, after I've succumbed to the desire again, and succumb means to yield to a superior force. So the food is a superior force. It's like a tank. 
You standing in front of it, expecting to get away with it, is like waving a stick at the tank. You're not going to get away with it. Okay. The phenomenon of craving develops. Okay, that intense desire. I got to have more. It's beyond my human will. They pass through the well-known stages of a spree. I'm going to go on a binge. I am going to emerge remorseful. What an understatement. I emerged wanting to kill myself. You know, like, what was the point? I was either eating and I wanted to die, or I was abstaining and I wanted to die. So what was the point? Why was I here? I was here to suffer? So that had to be my thinking before I was willing to accept the solution that was in this room, because I thought that I knew better. I thought I could do it without this solution. What worked before was going to work again. It didn't. The firm resolution not to do it again. I'm going to swear it off. Okay. I got my act together. I got my train on the track again. Uh, you know, I'm going to do it. And I will repeat this. And this is the line that I really heard that day stuck on the expressway. Over and over. And over and over. For six years. That's a long time to keep repeating that cycle. Some have repeated it longer than that. It's a long time. It's absolute hell. And I'm going to keep doing that unless I can again experience an entire psychic change. Oh, not again. Unless I can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of my recovery. So that's telling me I got to do what's in the book or I'm going to keep repeating it over and over again. The purpose of the book is to give you the psychic change. It's going to instruct you specifically on how to get that psychic change. So do I want to keep repeating this over and over, or do I want to do the directions that are in the book? And then it was like, at that point, I was all in. I'm in. Tell me what i got to do. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I, at that point, it was like, I almost like, you ever see like the horses that they put like these things on their heads so that they don't see out the side and get distracted? That's how I was. I I probably was of very little use to my husband and children at that point because the only thing I could think about was getting better. So, on the other hand, here's the hope, that once this change has occurred, and it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out, six-month process, we're talking weeks to maybe a few months, you can easily be um, able to control your desire for food. It's almost like somebody put flowers on the table instead of the rolls. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules, the 12 steps. And despite that being so simple, there are times where I really don't want to do it. You know, I have to keep in fit spiritual condition because if I don't, I'm going to pick up again. I've got, probably got about three days if I'm not in 10, 11, and 12, and I'm going to pick up again. So... One feels that something more than human power is needed to produce the essential psychic change. So it's kind of like that tank analogy. We need a superhuman power to stop the tank. You know, me on my own power, I can't stop the tank. It's going to mow me down. All right, so I got five more minutes. <laughs> All right. On the bottom of page, XXVII, or in some books it might be XXV. I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. So 
all of my best thoughts, all of my best ideas, all of my best philosophies and actions are not going to be enough for me to recover from this disease. It's not, I, I can't do it on my own. I need that superhuman power. Because it's more than what I can mentally control. Um, I'm not eating to escape. I'm eating to overcome a craving beyond my mental control. Average normal eaters do not get this phenomenon of craving that I get from eating one Hershey Kiss. They have one, they're done. There are many situations that arise out of the phenomenon of craving that cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than to continue to fight. That's the screw it part. You know, hell with it. I'm just going to eat. We make that supreme sacrifice. Or worse. The bottom of that XXVIII, or it would be XXVI, it starts with the paragraph, all these. All these and many others have one symptom in common. They cannot start eating without developing the phenomenon of craving. So if there's a food, then once you eat it, you can't stop. You're probably allergic to that food or some of the ingredients in that food. And the only relief they have to suggest is entire abstinence. So again, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got to put it down. It totally sucks. Call me. I will listen. <laughs> you know? It totally sucks. I've been there. I cried to my sponsor. I cried. I said, this food tastes horrible. Don't worry about me being triggered because it all tastes like crap. And I'm sitting here and I'm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying. I'm upstairs like a couple floors up on the fifth floor. And she's probably doing cartwheels. She's like, Yes! <laughs> Because <laughs> I was taking step one, <laughs> you know, I was so beaten down. But that's where I had to be for me to get the message. I had to be that clean to hear the message in that paragraph where he says over and over, and he's he really like inflected those words over and over and over, and that's what I was doing. All right, so why don't we wrap this up here? So, we'll go on to the last sentence. That's the wrap-up. The last sentence were before Dr. Silkworth's name. He says he could earnestly advise every alcoholic compulsive eater to read this book through. And though perhaps you may have come to scoff, what do they know? I'm still going to try that diet that I clipped out of the magazine or I saw on TV or got emailed to me. They may remain to pray. So give it a shot, because really, what it, you know, you wouldn't be here unless all the other methods had failed. How are they working for you? Give it a shot. So that's all I got. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you.